one. And we're back live again. Third podcast this week. So happy third podcast this week. Yeah. It's a busy one. Um, I was, it's like when you would do these before where just randomly you'd say, let's just get on. <laughs> let's just podcast. And even yeah. when there's no hockey going on, we are getting closer and closer to hockey actually being back. Which is nice. Um, we're actually seeing more people on the ice, flyers-wise at least, players yep. here and there, taking advantage of the oper- uh, the optional being able to go to uh, Fort Heath and skate, which is great. We've seen players like Couturier and Provorov, and today we saw the Kubo um, yep. all taking – some ice time so and we saw a clean shaving sean couturier which is weird because you would think grizzled, he is and, and a grizzled, grizzled <laughs> ivan provarov yes. so it's very strange yeah. seeing uh provarov with like a mountain beard yeah and you wouldn't think but, being a third podcast that we have much to talk about would we actually got ah, a decent amount got a decent amount to talk about today potential crazy. two or three rants are coming your way. Um, All right. So buckle okay. up for those. Uh, <laughs> Got some minor news regarding Seattle. Um, mm-hmm. Nothing too big. Um, I think that's where but, we're going to start today. Yeah. And then uh, I think, Mike, we did mention at some point we're going to talk about two rebuilding teams. Two rebuilding teams and Sean Cherry, oh. Sean Cherry in particular, but this f- top 15 centers in the 24 team. Draft yes. that came out today. Um, yeah, and again, that could be a fourth rant. So it probably will be. I think this this episode is just going to be called Rants Galore. I like it. Oh, that's good. Hasn't <laughs> that has a nice ring to it? Rants Galore, <laughs> love it. Uh, but starting with Seattle, yeah. Um, the so according to Angel dot com, uh, the Seattle expansion team will uh they won't release their team name until now probably at least the fall um just with everything going on they uh, according to uh the seattle times uh the ceo uh told told the seattle times uh they're planning to put uh for for the for basically for the nickname or, or the, again the team name they're trying to basically put it off until uh, at least the fall because of trademarking issues, local protests on racial injustice and, uh, and, uh, and policing uh, and the coronavirus pandemic as well. Um, so again, Seattle is scheduled to play in 2021, 2022. They've started work on logos and uniforms, but it's kind of interesting that the fact that they've had trouble with trademark issues, that's a little... I think they yeah. pushed that back too. Right. It's just a little weird because you wouldn't think that they would have much, but I, I guess they're having some a lot more issues than they really thought they would. But yeah. Um, yeah. So, so they're, they're, again, just some minor news out of Seattle. Um, mm-hmm. just we're getting here slowly but surely. Yeah, we're slowly but surely getting closer to hockey again. Uh, as Mike mentioned, there's uh, several flyers and also several players in general uh, getting back on the ice. Uh, some of the flyers players being Ivan Provorov, Nicholas Abikubel. Um, there is report there uh, Kevin Hayes should be on the ice soon to join his teammates, which will be good. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so no, again, that's pretty much what really this period is before they get to the next phase, which would be then the training camp and everything. The training else. camp on July. Everyone 10th, just kind of comes in whenever they feel comfortable coming in. 
So yes. more likely guys who were probably went back overseas in Europe mm -hmm. or whatever. Um, there's probably some process to how they're going to be able to get here and all that. Yeah. Maybe having the quarantine for like a couple of days or however many, however that's going to work. I would still um, expect it to be uh, two yeah. weeks. Because if I had the guess, I'm assuming Vorchek went back. I know yeah. uh, Haig went back. Yeah. Um, and other players, not just on the Flyers, just in the league in general who mm -hmm. are overseas. This is their time whenever they feel comfortable to be able to. Right. Because now both in Pennsylvania and New Jersey, sports can kind of go back to being absolutely played, which is why they're able to use the skate zone again. In Voorhees. Yes. So uh, Perval doesn't have to use his friend's rank <laughs> in uh, Volksbear. Yes. But, uh, yeah, no, so, again, that's all good stuff there. Um, but there is still really... some risk because I'm pretty sure because I remember, I don't know if he even said it on here, but there was a Penguins player not too long ago that yeah. came down positive with it. So there's still yeah. that realistic possibility that once there, there definitely together, still it's... is that risk. And uh, it kind of comes down to, you know, are you comfortable playing, mm -hmm. you know, with this risk still going on? And I'm sure the NHL is trying to jump through a lot of hoops right now and figure out, okay, well, even if people say they're healthy, yeah. you know, maybe if they are actually healthy, it's not even just that. Does this affect the way they play? They can the only game stay on healthy for so long. The thing is, once right. they get it, what they do, it's that right. plan that they have to figure yeah. out. And what all these kind of sports have to. Yeah. Realistically, we just follow hockey, so we're just going to follow how hockey is going to do it. Yep. In NHL. So. Exactly. But um, um, yeah, so that, I mean, that, again, that's also kind not of the it first for... Philadelphia sports team coming back. That'll be the Union. Yes. That is right. Is great. Uh, anyways, hmm. uh, did you want to start Other with that stuff? Let's actually let's just jump right into kind of a little bit of our rants. But I think the beginning of this, we're just going to look at these two rebuilding teams. Okay. The one um, had news come out yesterday, so I feel like we should huge more news, relevant. Really, I want to I want to break them down more because I was just like, this is yeah. like the first time ever on the not ever but uh on this podcast where i did some little bit of research hey, wait, 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 wait. Usually, usually when we do these things it's when we're already on the podcast yep um that we just quickly look through these so we don't really have time uh this time it was about five minutes before we got on so improvements yes um, we're working on it we're working uh, on so it and it really with... isn't yeah we'll start with buffalo because okay they okay. had they cleared house they um, really I don't did. They, to me, I don't think it's – I think the more – because it seems to be like there's a good amount of people that were kind of shocked by it. I think more people yeah. were shocked because I think like May 31st or sometime near the end of May, they said, we're keeping them. Yeah, it was only we three weeks with ago. Or something like that. Yes. So, so again, for, uh, for those who don't know by now, the Buffalo Sabres, as Mike mentioned, uh, really cleaned house. So here's all they got rid of. Uh, they got rid of 12 scouts, 12, and they have 18 total. They got rid of their scouting director, their scouting assistant director, uh, their AHL head coach, assistant coach, and another AHL assistant coach, their AHL GM, uh, assistant general manager uh, for the NHL. Oh, and their GM, Jason Botterell. So they completely cleared house. So, like, around, let's say, 12, 
about 2021 20, people got fired yesterday. It was nuts. Um, so, and then uh, in, in light of that, it was uh, Ke- uh, Kevin Adams who replaced Jason Botrell as the GM for the Buffalo Sabres. Now, note here though, Mike, this is not an in- interim uh, basis. This is the GM. So Kevin Adams is the GM now of the Buffalo Sabres. And realistically, if you really think about it, because there's been times here where we we look at them like for like a second or two, because obviously mm-hmm. we're from Philadelphia, Philadelphia area, so we mostly fill up, uh, look at the Flyers and all that, but we still look at the league here and there. And whenever we talk about Buffalo, it's just they're kind of nowhere. And today I was just like, this is now year five with Jack Eichel. Yeah. And it yeah. kind of goes back, and I texted you this earlier when we were talking about it. Um, it kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier this week with John Gibson. How do you keep him happy? How do you keep him consent yeah. with the team that's rebuilding? Jack Eichel, that doesn't seem to be much. Five years, no playoff appearances. At least not not only that, but... At least um, McDavid he, has one. Right. He, uh, Jack Eichel even publicly... Uh, made some comments that I'm sure um, didn't make management happy with, with his comments. No, uh, it, basically, it, realistically, when those happened, like even last year, uh, McDavid said the same similar thing. And realistically, when those you hear a player when you're a fan, you hear a mm-hmm. player on your team say they wanted to make a trade, you immediately, yeah, kind of you know, shit on them because well, this guy wants out, he's a Saber, he shouldn't want to. He's the star of our team. But if your team, if your management and no one else is really improving you, can you really blame them? Right. For these guys who are touted to be great talents and are great talents, and realistically, you can still argue. And we even did a couple podcasts ago. I'll reference this again. We talked about underrated, underappreciated players. Yes. Jack Eichel is another one. Underappreciated. Absolutely. Yeah. He's great. Um, he's a great player. I'm not saying he's underrated. No, I'm just no, for sure. His rate, his greatness. The thing that they're he's just underappreciated is everyone talks about. Even though they never really see McDavid play ever, just because he's out west, he's at least mm-hmm. made one play appearance. I feel like more people know who Connor McDavid is than Jack Eichel, and yeah. Eichel's American. He's the future yeah. of U.S. hockey. He's the future of for Buffalo fans, Buffalo hopefully. But if you're not doing anything. I don't think you can blame these players and say, do something or I'm out of here. Make an effort to improve the team. And in my quick research, they haven't done – They've every year since they've gotten uh, Eichel, they've done worse points-wise. Yeah. Obviously, this year it's a little skewed because not 82 games. Mm-hmm. Uh, they finished this year with 68 points. It, realistically, they would have gone up to at least yeah. mid-70s. But the problem is, though, it. is – they start off so strong the last at the two years. Of the season last two years, they've gone off to phenomenal starts, mm-hmm. and then for whatever reason, they just come back down to earth. Yeah, and if you're saying that's not, if you're saying I'm pulling smoke out of your ass, um, 2016, 15, um, realistically. Or sorry, 20, I did that wrong. <laughs> 2016, 
2015-16 uh, in Eichel's first year was mm -hmm. their best year with Eichel, both points-wise and wins-wise. Uh, Points-wise nice. with 81 points and wins-wise with 35. Um, and that was good for last place in the Atlantic 8th. Yikes. Every other year, they've gone worse. The year after, 17, uh, 16, 17, 78 points, 33 wins. 17, 18, that completely fell off, 62 points. Uh, 25 wins last year, 76 points. A little better, still not great. Only 33 wins. Against sixth in the Atlantic, and this year they finished out sixth in the Atlantic. You're not improving much. No, not at all. And the one thing, uh, and I so... know, I know the thing with the, I know the East is so much harder to compete in compared to the West. If you want to go that route, especially with some of the behemoths you have to go through just in the Atlantic, but even the Metro itself. But you can't tell me at some point you can't jump over Montreal for fifth at one of these years, or even Florida. Like, yeah. But um, so the, the so what Jack Eichel said uh, several weeks ago, uh, it was during it was this end of the season interview session with Buffalo area reporters, and uh, you know he called in via I guess it was like a phone call but through Zoom, and he said, "Listen, I'm fed because. up with losing, and I'm fed up, and I'm frustrated. Uh, it's definitely not an easy pill to swallow right now. It's been a tough tough couple of months. It's been a tough five years." with where things have went, um, end quote. And, you know, you, you can definitely, he's, again, he's only 23, which is still extremely young. Uh, you can, and, and people were saying, you could tell in his voice just how frustrated he was. And I don't blame him. You know, mm -hmm. he's a captain of, right now, this team is, no offense to them, but it's true. They're mediocre. They're at, at, at best because they have they talent. Keep, Look at they have talent. The they they uh, had a out. decent uh, offseason. They got Marcus Johansson. Uh, I thought that was a really solid move and one that would help them. Um, they have some, you know, young prospects up and coming that I think could make a difference. Uh, they yeah, have just, uh, uh, they, they acquired uh, Butterell drafted Darlene. He's a great young yeah, defenseman. He absolutely. Dylan Cousins. Uh, they acquired Henry Yoki Haru from the Chicago Blackhawks mm -hmm. in, in exchange for Alex Nylander. And Yoki Haru, he's 21 they, years old. He, they uh, brought in he's Jeff a Skinner. good young defenseman. Yep, Jeff Skinner's another good name there. Um, Victor Olofsson, only 24. Uh, they brought in Jimmy VC. Um, Kyle Post is still there for several more years. Um, but they, they've, you know, had to make a lot of good decisions and tough decisions over the years. And they're going to have another very important offseason coming up uh, whenever it happens for them. Because, one, the draft, they're going to end up with a, another good pick. They're going to end up with a top seven pick. Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't have and a lot two, of picks either. And, and that's, the, that's the main problem for them for this year's draft. It's probably going to be a pretty good draft. Look, so – they, they have they six, do but they don't have, have six third. picks, but they're they're kind of spread out. They have their first two picks. They don't have their own third. They have their fourth, fifth. They don't have their sixth, and then they have their seventh and Dallas is seventh. Mm -hmm. So the, it's a lot to a lot of moving pieces here. Um, they have a bunch of UFAs and RFAs that we can discuss at some point. Um, 
uh, and again, some bigger contracts that they're going to go off the board most likely. For example, Wayne Simmons, who they got at the deadline, two and a half million dollar contract that's going to expire. Uh, Michael Froelich, four point three mil. Um, Jimmy VC, two point two seven mil. Uh, Zemgis Gergensen is one point six. Johan Larson, one point five. And then you have some, uh, yeah, uh, you have some. RFAs, like you just mentioned mm-hmm. there, Linus Allmark, 1.3. And not just that. Brandon Monsor, 3.3. You have uh, Sam Reinhart, 3.6. You have a lot of money. Even Vladimir Saboka, uh, 3.5 mil. Matt Humwick, 2.25 mil. So you have a lot of room to get some to get rid of some, um, some major cap uh, issues there. And you know who's kind of eat up a help. lot more of that cap, though? At the end of next yeah. season, Darlene is an RFA. He is, and, and that's going to be a big issue for them. Because mm-hmm. he's going to want to get paid, rightfully so, and, he, yeah. and he, he's earned it. He, he's had, uh, so far, a very young and uh, healthy and, and strong start to his career, as expected. He won number one overall uh, think, two years ago, and he's Offensively, so I think they're, like, above average. They're Yeah okay offensively team especially with Eichel and Skinner on the first line um even down the road once uh Melstack and uh down cousins makes an impact those are gonna yeah and, and you mentioned people. two prospects right there and but uh, outside of that they just completely fall off that's why they're not great they don't have no. any depth and and they don't have the, they don't yeah. outside of Darlene they don't have a great defense really either Right. That's an okay defense. And, and that's, not... a, that's a tough part. Um, so luckily this, especially in the first round, it's going to be filled with forwards. So at absolute worst, they could have the uh, – I, I think they have the seventh or, – or it's um, – let's see here. I can't remember what the odds are. But basically, at absolute worst, they could end up probably, what, seventh? Either way, they're a very worst top 10 pick. Right, exactly. And so right now projected from – well, actually, I lied. That was ages ago. I said i got to find the latest one. Um, But you have have some very good upcoming prospects uh, to take a look. But um, go ahead. While I look this up, what are you going to say, Mike? I forgot. Oh, yeah. (laughs) that was just going to be a joke at uh, Botarella's ex- ex- extent. Uh, my favorite overrated player, who was only uh, great because of Crosby, Connor Sheary, he both traded for and traded away him. Yep. Yeah. Um, but so, for Actually, example, the, though, both teams yeah. Penguins. <laughs> yeah. Um, but going back to uh, the draft really quickly here. So, again, a- absolute worst. They can have the seventh overall pick. And so, so in my opinion, Alexis Lafreniere and Quentin Byfield, they're going to go number one and two. You could see Tim uh, Stutzel, Lucas Raymond, Jamie Drysdale go three, four, and five. And then it really comes down to Marco Rossi, Cole Perfetti, Alex, uh, Alexander Holtz, Anton Lundell. Uh, those next few picks, you're going to get one of those four. Um, and they are all going to be impact players. I don't know if right away for some. I think 
that uh, Alexander Holtz, yeah. uh, the, the Swede there, he's going to be an NHL-ready player in my Either opinion. way, either way. Um, they're going to get someone good. Not, they're going to get somebody good, and most likely that can just fill up a line with Dylan Cousins and Casey Middlestad. Even though they're both centers, they could just do it for a little bit while they sort out the rest of their mm-hmm. bottom six, do what the – a little bit of what the Oilers do with Drysaddle and McDavid at times. Yeah, and what the Flyers are doing, Giroux and Couturier. At times, put them together. That's that and yeah. uh, Cousins. And, once and they, they hurt. Once they eventually evolve as players as well, because right now they're not on their the, – at the time the season ended, when the season ended, uh, they were not on the Sabres roster. So Right. Um, so, again, we'll we'll see what happens with, with Buffalo. Um, and realistically, you know, things I'll, are – I'm probably going to re- yeah. – uh, reference this again when we talk about our next team in Ottawa. Um, mm-hmm. But let's, I don't see how you're not wrong with your assessment of Detroit. If everything goes in their favor, the guys that get the way they come out, yeah, there's no way they couldn't jump to where Buffalo is at six. Exactly. And then eventually, if more, if Yarzeman can work his magic some more, that they can jump. Which 100%, I definitely And the reason why will. I say that is because these two teams – you know, even though Ottawa at the time at, could have a better chance at it right away, but you know, they aren't the best at you know keeping people or at least recently at keeping people or you know using money to keep yeah. players. Um, so or even have that, players that yeah. you know want to leave. And I yeah. thought this year would actually be the one year we weren't going to get. We're going to transition to Ottawa because I want okay. to Ottawa. Well, I was going to say, but, I um, did have one last thought, oh, okay. though, about Buffalo, Quickly actually. On that before I did my transition. So, Kim Pagula, who's a co-owner of the Buffalo Sabres, and, and this is what interested me the most. So, just about three, four weeks ago, they were okay. They, they said, said about Jason Botrell, they want him back. He's coming back. They made an announcement about it and everything. that He will be back. Just yesterday, just like that, he got canned. So something must have happened in those past three weeks where I have they a thought, yeah, did, uh, where I, they thought, like, maybe this isn't the direction we want to go. But I, I want to hear your theory on, on maybe what could have happened. Eichel's comments. And, and that may, may very well be what could have uh, caused this. Eichel's comments, and they changed everything they really literally not just in the nhl in the ahl as well scouts. they got rid of a perfectly they got rid good of scouts head coach in the ahl they got rid of plenty of scouts so something so again it's something in buffalo right now it's it's not looking good no and it's all and also i have to think it's all Similar to what you talked about with Gibson, even though I don't think it's a summer situation with Gibson, it's just right. hypothetical with Gibson and trying to keep him happy while they're trying to rebuild. It's the same with Eichel, and he's already five years into this thing. Yeah, and he's got a and very as big I just, contract. As I just stated in those standings the past five years with them or so, uh, they haven't done much. And no. it doesn't feel like that long ago because it was 2011, but they have the longest playoff drought, if I'm not mistaken. They do currently at nine years. Yeah. So, oh, and fun fact, they're still paying off Billy Lano. Yeah. 
because again, that was not. That, it's just a thing with Buffalo. They, they don't get what they moves they make. I, I don't know. I really don't understand some not of them. Not that I don't. I don't think Villain was that. Uh, wasn't a bad player or anything, but he was definitely not worth that contract. No, <laughs> not even in the slightest. Again, love Villalena. I think he was a good, good depth player for the Philadelphia Flyers during his time there. It was just a line. He was with Hartnell and Rare and Hartnell, and they just I, found that chemistry. It was perfect. It's a and, similar situation when they brought Sheeran in. Yeah. When you bring really these is. guys in, even though it was a trade, or maybe they just signed them. I think it was just a trade with Sheeran. Um, yeah. But when they brought these guys in, they obviously thought, well, maybe they can bring the talent that they brought here in Philadelphia or Pittsburgh and bring it over here. But on the flip side to that, even though some of that might be them, there's the other people that they're with. Sherry Crosby. You you had to put that out there just because Crosby's there and he played a lot with Sidney Crosby. And yep. Billy Leno, he played with Briere and Hartnell, but he played with that line. They were great together. Yeah, you separate them, you lose that. You don't have that chemistry anymore. He did bring. Did they have Briere near the end? No, that was Montreal. No, it was Montreal. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, yeah, that's it's not great. But uh, yeah, but now we can move on to Ottawa. Absolutely. Um, yes. Because I want to talk about uh, what their current situation is like. Not only that, but they, I guarantee you, are going to have one of the best drafts this year ready for this they have seven picks in the first two rounds alone three first rounders and four second rounders uh they had their first the new york islanders first which came it was a conditional first but that came let's see here uh the, the pajot trade i'm trying to see like the full details if i'll let me um it was J.G. Pajot to the Islanders for a 2020 conditional first-round pick, which if the Islanders win the draft lottery in select top three, no. So forget that. Could, and then the pick is transferred if the New York Islanders win the 2020 Stanley Cup, uh, which is very unlikely. Yeah. It was a 2020 second-round pick and 2022 conditional third-round pick. So I will commend uh, Pierre Dorian on that front. They did conditions yes. that the Islanders are definitely not going to meet. So No. And then uh, the first-round pick uh, from the San Jose Sharks from that massive Eric Carlson trade. And of all years to do it, to have that pick, oh, man, what a year. The Sharks had one of the worst years imaginable. Mm-hmm. So not only could the Ottawa Senators end up with the first overall pick, they could end up with the first and the second overall pick again. Or first and third. Or first and third, second and third, first and fourth. You know, either way, they, they're getting two. Either way, they, they could end up drafting back-to-back picks, five. which I see happening is uh, very realistic. So, again, I think that I would some of the prospect names that I uh, named earlier in Lafreniere, Byfield, Holtz, uh, Raymond, uh, Stutzel, uh, Drysdale. <laughs> Uh, no matter what, I really think that the centers are going to have two NHL-ready players that we will see on the roster next year. Uh, again, great. I could be wrong, but that's just how I see it with this team. Uh, like you said, they have four second-round picks. They have two third-round picks. They have a fourth. They have a fifth despite not having their own. They have two sixths and no seventh. So altogether, ten picks in the first four rounds – 13 picks this year's draft, 
They have three picks next in next in next year's draft in the second round alone. Um, they have twenty three draft picks in the next two years. Twenty three. 14 this year, 9 next year. That's nuts. Well, you be good cop here. I'm going to be bad cop. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hear it. Um, well, that is great that they have a lot of uh, picks and everything. That's kind of have to be the move that they have to go with because, one, um, they're not going to show a lot of money to try to land a big free agent. Two, big free agents aren't going to come here because it's been a very toxic situation since 2017. Um, yeah, absolutely. And three, Eugene Melnick does not make these situations great either. So, no, and, and I really and, and think the that at later on, where these guys need a contract extension to have these guys the money that they think they deserve. Mm. Granted, some of yeah. these are still yet to be seen because some of them, especially these guys coming in this scene, haven't played in the NHL yet. I'm talking more like the Brady Kachucks, the guys they have now. That once those guys come up, that that's where mm. the tricky part is going to be because they're just known recently for not putting money out there, which is a bold prediction I put now before we even got on that I said to Jeff is that realistically because last year we last offseason we saw um, the Bachanaho Canadians yeah. try to offer sheet to Bachanaho, and he was which was easily he accepted it he accepted it for a lot less than what he's worth. Yeah. And that's what it had to be because the uh, Hurricanes had to uh, counter that. If you're someone and say Brady Kachuk has a similar career to his these next couple years or whatever, to his dad or even Matthew Kachuk, I don't see why a team wouldn't say, hmm, it's uh, Senators. Maybe they will offer, match it. Maybe try an offer sheet because really. What if they don't match it, depending on what the offer is? Not only that, but even if they do, uh, or or no, uh, there's obviously sorry, some consequences going? to yeah. doing that. That that and again, obviously fork over a good amount happens. of picks and everything. Yeah. But um, yeah, realistically, if a team thinks that okay, maybe we don't need these picks in the next couple of years because maybe we'll be contending or our team's pretty young already. We don't really need this, need so many picks, whatever. Uh, I could see it. I, I I don't know why it wouldn't happen, but that's yeah, just no, me. absolutely. That's just me if I was an owner or sorry, uh, owner uh, of GM. GM. Yeah, just like um, uh, just see bad. what happens. Yeah. That thought. Uh, like some if, other things. Like, let's just put it this way: if it's like a similar situation to the Shea Weber with the Flyers, if the Flyers keep operating like they did with Shea Weber, the Predators, thank God, uh, uh, countered. But if a team like the Senators, which already don't have that much money to begin with. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they'd really risk risk it. So never know. But never I know. think this would be the one year, the one season we'd get away with no bad stuff going on in Ottawa. Because last <laughs> year wrong. You know, I thought maybe they have some good thing because you know Bobby Ryan had his whole he yes. wanted to uh facility and everything to get some uh, rehab or whatever mm-hmm. um and that was uh their person up for their 
uh, whatever that Bill Masterton Bill Award, Masterton. yeah, yeah, that one. And, and he came um, back and scored a hat trick in his first game back. Yeah, uh, maybe that emotional. Just, it was awesome. It was maybe great things to are gonna turn around, and then this story breaks out about Eugene Melnick. I don't know if yeah. it's completely true or not, because it's been a back and forth. But apparently, there's some dispute with the charity that Eugene Melnick helps uh, start with, which was like an organ. Uh, Organ organ donor thing because he himself had some had to do this and someone some fan or whatever said uh, gave him it so he started this charity and turns out he possibly may have taken some money out of it. Yeah. Uh, uh, already so some comments. Mel- yeah, sorry. Go ahead. Uh, uh, Eugene Melnick, who already has pissed off his fans when they're in the playoffs, um, had multiple. Not in his control, but shit with the stadium, shit with his players and everything come out and all this. Yeah. I've, um, I've been trying so, to curse twice, but I've I've tried to curse less lately on these podcasts. But when you deserve it, you deserve it. If this is true, Eugene, you are a shitty asshole scumbag. Okay. Yeah. Um, we always so, say, sorry, one more thing. We always yeah, say yeah. that the Ryan Reeves, who signed an extension with the Golden Knights, oh, um, and Tom Wilson are scumbags, human trash can, because of what they do on the ice. Uh, this guy possibly scammed a uh, charity and yep. successfully pissed off an entire fan base in Canada, whose national sport is hockey. Yeah, so uh, it's not a smart move there, Eugene. So anyway, uh, it's the last Friday... He issued a statement in response to a pair of Ottawa Sun stories about uh, Melnick's involvement with the Sun's foundation and organ project charities. The, the Sun even issued a correction and apology earlier in the day, which, again, the fact that they did that makes me think there's something a whole lot There's something else more. there. The charity, there's something, there's something the charity, more the that we thing just that came don't know out was yet. The charity stripped the senator's names from it. Nobody knew why. I think the contract or whatever may have run out, but there may have been other factors. This could have been one. I don't know. We don't know the full story. Just what's this Ottawa Sun came uh, right article said. And so Melanick's statement discussed his role at the foundation, rental charges, and organ project operations. That's uh, so or organ project uh, operations. Uh, it said, "quote." In his June 5th column, Rick Gibbons uh, claimed that Melnick was exercising improper influence over the Senator's Foundation to divert charitable dollars raised in Ottawa to his Toronto-based charity for his own benefit. As well, Gibbons wrote that Melnick views the charitable organization, which has a licensing agreement with the Ottawa Senator's Hockey Club, as an extension of the business as opposed to Quasay uh, to, uh, Independent in- Entity uh, with its own mandate and charter. This is uh, patently false. Gibbons based this assertion on information provided by anonymous sources and reported it as fact. Although Gibbons apparently sought comments from the foundation's management and board, he made no effort to contact the senators or Melnick prior to publishing publishing these claims. Uh, Melnick also uh, disputed what the Sun wrote about rent charged to the Sun's foundation. At the same time, Gibbons declared he was told that Melnick uh, that the charges that Melnick charges the foundation hundreds of thousands of dollars annually in re- in rent, which hinders the foundation's charitable giving. 
This assertion is patently false. The rent charged to the foundation was $78,750 in 2019, well below market rates for the area, end quote. And again, this whole article you can find on Sportsnet, uh, for Sportsnet's uh, website, though, and breaks down even more about Eugene Melnick, his response to this, to the Ottawa Sun, and uh, this whole fiasco. It really is it's that. It's an ongoing it's, thing. It's just it, keep... It's, yeah. So I think really – And normally thing... we don't really comment on these things just because we don't right. really know them. We can't really say much of an opinion on these. But yeah. when it's Eugene Melnick um, and all the stuff that's happened in the past with him – um, yeah. At some point, because Mitch and I were talking about this because it broke, the story broke like a week or two ago and Mitch was telling me about it. And we just came to the, the conclusion that at some point the NHL or someone has to strip the ownership of him. Yeah. He's kind of a cancer in this league. He really is. Every um, year, almost every something, year, something, something happens more with Ottawa. happens with the Ottawa Centers. Remember, not that long ago, it was the, the Uber incident with uh, Matt Deshane, uh, I think Thomas Shabbat was in that. Incident. Yeah, there was a bunch in of people. The... Now those players are on the team anymore. Um, yeah, but even that one, I, I credit, I, I kind of blame the Uber driver more for leaking the video. I think that's right. kind of a scummy thing because realistically, right. all they were kind of doing, even though you probably shouldn't be saying that thing out, saying that out loud, anyways. But how many times in a life when you're done work, wherever you're working, if you're not the biggest fans of someone, you're you're just complaining about them. Oh, of course. It, it happens. Favorite Oscar quotes from The Office is uh, when there's uh, Michael's when they're doing the roast of Michael Scott and he's yelling at him in Spanish and they cut to him talking to the camera. He said, "I just said what I said when uh, when I'm going on my way home from work." <laughs> there's a lot of people that are like that, and obviously you shouldn't be saying that, but you know, obviously these guys felt one way about the coach and everything. It was a whole fiasco. But uh, regardless, so so again, it, this whole thing is sp- kind of spiraling out of control with the Eugene. But Melnick that even started and, even when they were still in the playoffs in 2017. Yeah. Said about Eric Carlson and stuff there, Eric Carlson and Mike Hoffman's, that whole situation. Uh, yeah. And not only that, the reason why most likely that no fans really go to Senators games besides not being great right now, but even in those playoffs or whatever. Mm. Is because they're not really playing in Ottawa. They're playing outside of Ottawa. It's like where Jeff and I live by like downtown, Exton kind of area of Pennsylvania, which is like, what would you say? Half hour? 45 minutes, 45 minutes, 45 minutes, minutes to an hour from Philly, depending on It's the like saying if the Fla- Philadelphia Flyers played here and said they were the Philadelphia Flyers. That'd be great for us because it'd be in our backyard. But, it would be awesome. So, uh, oh, hey, look, there's the. What about rink. those people? F- there's people coming from Philadelphia or New Jersey, Delaware, all these places. It, it I can see why people wouldn't want to go. And even right. with that, he's not going to put money out for a new stadium. It's just not going to be no. a thing. And there's a. Um, I saw a little thing on the athletic. There's another article yep. that someone. I, wrote. I have that article up from Sean McIndoe. I believe I'm pronouncing it right. If not, sorry, Sean. My apologies. Um, one statement that he has in here on his article explains everything perfectly. That credibility is gone now, not diminished, not running low, gone. And when that happens, there's no rebuilding. And it's perfect to describe Eugene Melnick and his, Mm -hmm. um, 
his whole situation, his whole career with the Ottawa Senators, it's tarnished. Everything about Eugene Melnick and the Ottawa Senators in the same sentence and everything, it's oof. It is a it is a touch, touchy subject, but at the same time though, it's someone's Artemis some way somehow it. you can't keep they've it got it. They've got someone's gotta step in and make a change for the Ottawa Centers for the better. Because mm-hmm. this guy is ripping the center's name apart. Mm-hmm. Like there was integrity. There were things where he was starting to move or maybe it was just uh them being rumored to leave Ottawa go to like, yeah. like Quebec City or something like that which would be great to see the Nordiques back but you know yeah it would be um, but yeah it's I feel bad for Ottawa fans I'm yeah. obviously not a Senators fan I don't consider them a rival they're okay I know the, they had the whole thing in what was it 04 the Flyers 04 the big time brawl yeah I know they had a whole brawl and everything and you know, I'm sure there's going to be a renewed one with Brady Kachuk. It's got um, one. Yeah. But, um, which would be renewed to the whole team at some point. But uh, it's just one of those teams I don't really care that much for. It's not a team that I hate. It's not really a team I'd root for. It's just yeah. a team I'm kind of met on. But I feel bad for the for those fans. No, for sure. And but the end of the day, because I feel they have like to put you, up with so have much. To... Yeah. Like, and you're not only fan that, of the, team, the players, they're playing themselves, the team that's out there but when you have not all this only shit, that might become but... so much harder like if this was philadelphia the, i mean there's still going to be some devout flyers fans that would just keep going and everything but you would lose some fans like it's just a shitty situation if this would keep happening over and over yeah um so the, and the one other thing i definitely want to say about uh, the centers and melnick and everything but again it's there's a lot of you know um stories out there but the, the Ottawa as a whole besides Melnick's crap and everything um they've they fired had Guy. say again they fired Guy not too long ago yeah yeah and uh they, they've had so many just like moments in the franchise that's really hurt the franchise like the fact that uh there have been exits and again not only just exits but really a whole three of these guys trades for three of their best uh, players in franchise history, Kyle Turris, Eric Carlson, and Mark Stone. Um, and then the falling out and with get, Daniel Daniel Alfredson. It's also is, not just um, yeah. uh, Eugene Melnick. It's also Pierre Dorian. Absolutely. Those because two remember the Hoffman together, trade to the like, Sharks? How embarrassing that was. Oh, that was awful. But again, like it's those two together. They're like a ticking time bomb in Ottawa. And again, it, it's the falling out with Daniel Alfredson, and then yep. again, actually, because for the first time, Al- Alfredson, the the legend there in Ottawa, he uh, left the centers to go play a year in Detroit and everything. And then uh, the second time around, it was uh, a couple, only a couple of years ago, he left his position as a senior advisor of hockey ops. Um, he said he was pleased to pass along that he's made this decision to step away from the game and take his time to evaluate what professional challenge he will pursue next. But again, it's maybe it's just it's Craig, those kind of, there, yeah. there's always someone who's demanding a trade. I think Craig Anderson's been demanding a trade for years now. Probably. Yeah. Because he's been here for the whole thing. Yeah. He's been there since 2017. 
Yep. Same he's thing with Bobby of, Ryan. Bobby Ryan has been here yeah. for years. But he's had his own issues. Right. Which obviously he dealt with this season, which hopefully right. it's for the best. But Craig Anderson's been through it all with them too. And he's still on his head in that 2017. 17 oh, my God. He, he was phenomenal. Um, but yeah, so. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> but it, there's just so much going on with mm-hmm. Ottawa. Uh, it's nuts. But. Again, Again, it's uh, similar I it, to Buffalo. It's like five minutes ago, about after we talked about Buff, uh, Buffalo and Detroit, if Dave Yarsman can realistically put together a, an improved team every year, there's no doubt in my mind they can pass both these two teams. Oh, I know they 100% will. Again, I think it might it be a little harder with... for Ottawa just because I think right away, while these guys are still on their entry level contracts, they're yep. still going to be able to produce for this team. Yeah, um, I think that on. Uh, have their problems. Detroit at worst is going to get the third overall pick. Um, it's going to really hurt if they don't get their first overall pick or even the second overall pick. I think it's really going to hurt mm-hmm. them. But they're obviously obviously still going to get a very very good player. Um, my it's prediction is was taken the second round. That's not the end of the world yeah. if they don't. Right, exactly. Um, you have all these gems. Sure Zaka is almost a bust. Yeah. Like it doesn't it doesn't mean much if you're not taking the first round. Right. Because there's obviously the expectations. John Strom for the longest time always yep. always had it on his shoulders because he was the third overall yep. pick. Yeah. There's a lot of and even what guys like this past draft, um uh what's his face who was taken by New Jersey? Um Jack Hughes. Jack Hughes. He's gotten it. Pat Noel Patrick's gotten it. Yep. Uh Nico Heesher. Yeah, right. there's they, a lot they of, all have. There's a lot put on your shoulders when you're these first round, first ten picks or whatever. So they have to own up to it and be able to. Yeah. Um, and then one last thing about uh, Ottawa, just contract wise, they have again, just like Buffalo, they have a lot of upcoming contracts that are expiring. Um, they have uh, Ryan Callahan's five point eight mil contract that expires. Obviously, Callahan, he's done playing hockey, so they'll gladly just let that um, go. They're going to continue. They've, they're going to continue to take big contracts just so they can get the, on the floor of the cap. Yeah, they do have uh, Clark McArthur's contract expiring at four point six mil. Uh, Mark Borieki's one point two. Uh, Craig Anderson four point seven five. So honestly, although he's thirty nine. You might not want to return to Ottawa. Uh, you have uh, Ron Hayes, three and a half mil. As a backup, so. not that's yeah, and, and that's what I was thinking, too. I think he's already uh, in Ottawa anyway. So. Matthew Pekka, 1.3 mil. Um, and then Mikhail Bakker, 4 mil is in UFA. And then you have a couple uh, RFAs, Chris Tierney, 2.93 mil. Connor Brown, 2.1 mil. Uh, Anthony Duclair, and he's going to be an interesting name to look out for, 1.6 mil. I don't know what the odds are. It will be kind of cheap to do it, mm-hmm. like a cheap option. But I could see, a, honestly, a potential offer, offer sheet for Anthony Duclair. I know it kind of sounds crazy, but Duclair, he, he has shown a lot of potential uh, throughout this, this year and everything. He put up a good amount of points, and, and I think he's – That is sur- one thing, though. The thing that helps the Senators is that they kept getting rid of a big piece that gave them so much. In the next right. couple of years, they're either going to have to do it again yeah. with like Brady Kachuk's uh, or whoever it is next. 
Uh, Declare, he's only 24. He had 40 points this year, 23 goals, mm-hmm. 17 assists. So, Or actually, you know, reach into your pocket, into your wallet a little bit, and maybe try bringing in some of these. Uh, yeah. Even though there's a lot of guys probably that don't want to go there because it's already a pretty hostile situation. Toxic and everything. Yeah. Anyways. Um, I can't think of any better transition, so I'm going to have to say we're going to have to go to another rant because we're going to the top 15. I can't yep. to, it's going to have to be another rant. Oh, boy. Oh, wait. Uh, there's two rants. One's going no. to go to the other. Before I get to that, because it, it relates to Sean Couturier. Most of these things relate to Sean Couturier, but I want to talk about um, Pierre Maguire, who you know people are retired of anyways. Yeah. Um, which, you know, when you lose your starting thing to Brian Boucher, not that I am crapping on Brian Boucher at, at all. Um, it came out, I don't know where it is, maybe an article or whatever, of his picks for each of the trophies, and we kind of went over our kind of thinking for these on the last, the last podcast. Time, yeah. um, and in it, uh, he was talking about, for the South, he pretty much just went with, Whoever was leading plus minus for Selkie, yeah. Whoever was leading plus plus minus, that's who he was going with. The people who were leading in points were pretty much who he went for. Who was going to win the heart? Wow. Um, he said the thing for Selkie in particular. He said the thing that re- he really makes him uh, uh, really makes it standpoint for him when voting for it was the plus minus stat, which to me is one of the most Useless stats out there. Yeah, to me, it's like a goalie's winning percentage. It doesn't mean anything because you could be a good goalie, like we talked about last time with uh, Gibby. He's one of the best goalies in the league. He's not playing on a great team, so his stats are going to be diminished. Same thing with Sergei Bobrovsky. Uh, Anze Kopitar. His plus-minus numbers are probably lower than any other year, just because the Kings weren't great this year. Right, and he's a great player. Yeah. He had Chunk. The reason why I brought it up, and obviously there were Flyers fans, Chunk fans, but he had Chunk fifth. And he had Yikes. two Bruins. Two Bruins for Selkie. Patrice Bergeron, which is obvious, but Brad Marchand. How do you have Brad Marchand, even a nomination, even possibility? Because for the selfie, that's a joke. Started killing penalties, and for some reason, we feel like that for him, that's enough to be on there. Which, dude, honestly, I'm not gonna lie, that's embarrassing, Peter. It is the fact that you have of all players, Brad Marchand, as a nominee for Selkie, mm-hmm. you're out of your mind. Yeah. Go back to tra- attempting to be a GM or assistant coach. Oh, Do something you're actually. That's yeah, work I <laughs> yeah, I know. Again, just 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 go away from hockey. Just go. Yeah, there's a there's a reason why NBC that, that Sports a, NBC Sports went away from you for being their number one on the number one team. I, I still will never understand. I'm sorry, that. West. I'm sorry, West Coast teams that have to. Listen yeah, to them. our condolences. Yes, we we've had to deal with it forever. So now it's your turn. Yeah, right. Oh my gosh. But um yeah, no, it, it's that's absurd. That really the reason is. why I bring that up is like it, plus minus it, I get why people 
relate to it because obviously plus is for if you're on, minus if you're on a goal for if you're on the ice and the other team scores. But for the longest time, it, it's one stat that really screwed over players like Sam Gagne. Sam Gagne, I still think, is has some key role in some team. He definitely Especially, does. Especially, I don't know, I, don't, I should have probably looked this up before I said it, but I don't know if there's any stats to really back me up here. But to me, at least, doesn't it seem like there's been more overtime shootout games lately in the league? It, it, it does. It does seem like that, yeah. Sam Gagne, the one thing that he's still great on is his Shootouts. skills. He is very skilled. He has a lot of moves that he can, he can do, and his shutter percentage is, I think, one of the best in the league, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. No, no, you're absolutely right. He, for Obviously, years, ever since for years, he, it yeah. was because he was one like a first round pick or high uh, mm-hmm. first round pick, uh, if not first overall. People thought, oh, he can't be anything other than worse at top six centerman or whatever oh. and for, because of that that screwed him over for the longest time because people would just say oh he's that but now in the league it's perfectly fine for him to be depth role he definitely yeah. has that fit to be there but because of that a lot of it was because plus minus his plus minus stats were not great he was playing on a pre Connor McDavid amateur Oilers that would always get the first round of pick they were never great <laughs> and similar to Sean Couturier and his first few years with the Flyers, all mm. of Craig Berube's terms, the first part of uh, Craig uh, Dave Hackstall before uh, he pretty much said, hey, can I you know, be in more offensive situations? He was always put in defensive zones. He was always mm-hmm. put out there, obviously, for obvious reasons because he's such great, so great defensively. He was always put in these situations, so no one thought of this offensive output that he had, which he definitely has, and we saw it. And I... Don't want this is my thinking actually is why he kind of turned around and why he might have said it to Dave Haxtell. Not that I don't think players pay attention to the media that much or really see what's posted out there, but I think there's a little bit that might have gotten to Couturier a bit of people always either underestimating him and not thinking of him as not saying the goal scorer, top centerman, just yeah. a guy who's just going to be in a defensive zone, defensive end, or whatever. I think for the first part of his career, he was he was okay with it. it was fine, but with the line, between line mates and coaching, he was never really put in great situations. Mm-hmm. So he finally went to a coach and said, "Hey, can you put me here? Put me in more offensive zone?" And I'll show you why. I'll show ever you why. Then, yeah. Ever since he did that, he has exploded offensively and has absolutely become a two hundred foot player and absolutely deserves a selkie. I'm not gonna lie. If Sean Katori does not get the selkie this year, I, I'm gonna be pissed. I, I, I agree. I'm gonna be absolutely livid. It, I, it, be, it, I it, honestly it, wouldn't be surprised if Spurs run. Not that it's not. Bro, I, again, I wouldn't be surprised either, though. But again, Bert, I love Bergeron. I think he's a great player. He's one of my favorite players to watch. Um, hard but, for you to say when it's Bruin, but yeah. No, but again, even as a Bruin, I, I gotta respect the guy. Mm-hmm. He's been in the league for so long, and he, I, I have a true admiration for him just because. He's been able mm-hmm. to really shut down the best of the absolute best, and it, it's just remarkable watching him yeah. play. But same thing with Couturier. Look what he did uh, to Malkin as a rookie. He pissed him off to the point where he hurt him. Yeah. Or well, James Neal, too. But James Neal, yeah. It still pisses me off to this day. And you want to know why he probably thought he had the offensive prowess and why Flyers fans probably should have known this yeah. before he did this? He has two hat-tricks in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
two hat tricks in the playoffs. Both against the Penguins. Yeah. Yeah. Either uh, way. What's it called? So literally, Katori's numbers. So his first really quote unquote breakout year was 2013, 2014, when he had 39 points. Ever since then, he's had it's uh, 39, 37, 39, 34, then exploding out of nowhere, 76 in back to back years. And then this year, 59. Obviously, a shortened season doesn't help, but no. still, easily would back have broken to- 60 points, almost 70 p- potentially. Yeah, he probably could have gotten closer to 30. He had back-to-back years with 30-plus goals. Yeah. He had 22 goals this year. Um, 37 assists. Yeah. So he's he's blossomed into an outstanding center, face-off centerman and just uh, center as general. And again, like you said, complete 200-foot player. She deserves he's, it. If not this really, year, at really does. some point. But that's what yeah. brings me to the next point, which is another yes. thing I said earlier about Jack Eichel and him being uh, so underappreciated. Sean Couturier may be, to me, and maybe I'm wrong because I'm probably leaving mm-hmm. someone out, might be the best underappreciated player in the league. I'm sure you can probably throw out a name and say, oh, yeah, him too. But he he's up there. What do you think on that? Yeah. Yeah, for for Couturier, uh, they, they they certainly because gotta show him the respect mm-hmm. and everything. And I w- I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't win this year, just because that just seems to be his luck and, and mm-hmm. all the. But but again, I think the one thing that does go in his favor is again, um, despite him not necessarily winning it. it he will, I think he'll regardless at least be a finalist at a minimum. Um, but I, I've I've even seen some some was, analysts that that have you know that are obviously like not necessarily Flyers analysts, but just national or other teams and saying, hey, for for you know, Victoria, he rightfully deserves at least a finalist nomination for the Selkie. If not, he deserves to. Yeah, which makes no actually sense. Actually, it this year. Every Flyers game I've seen. Nationally televised, even though it's sometimes uh, Keith Jones, but I have heard P- uh, Perry Maguire also say it too that he's deserving of it. He's so great defensively; he does so much for this team. So I wonder why he has him fifth as his fifth. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, but but that's let, a, let's that's get is this. one thing because um, I'm not the biggest. I'm not really that into advanced stats, but I think that is one yeah. thing that has helped. And that, uh, Saki wise and defensively wise, uh, some how some advanced stats have worked in the NHL. Because before, how some of these stats, uh, trophies and everything worked before was for Saki, it was pretty much McGuire's kind of thinking of it, really plus minus and some offensive kind of prowess, even though it really shouldn't be, even though it should really be said, not the best defensive player, but the best two way player. Um, yeah. and defensively, the only real stats before we're focusing on blocks and hits and that kind of thing. Not that those aren't key things, but the one thing that has helped with advanced stats is other factors that come into play, which I think some of these writers, these people that vote on these awards take into consideration for when they vote. Sure. Which is why you see players like Couturier or even a lot of people are praising Anthony Sorelli this season. He's had a great year. Yeah, and again, metric nothing wise, advanced metrics-wise, advanced metrics-wise, they say he should 
be a finalist for Selkie. Again, nothing against Anthony Sorelli. He is one of my favorites that I, I've thoroughly enjoyed watching grow with the Tampa Bay Lightning. I think he's a tremendous young player and will be for quite some time. Another diamond in the rough for the Tampa Bay Lightning drafting-wise. Well, what else is new? But, um, again, just the talent this year, I think it's going to be a minimum Bergeron and uh, Couturier uh, for the finalists for the Selkie. Obviously, one more. Maybe Sorelli could be a finalist. I really see, um, or even, again, uh, last year's winner, Ryan O'Reilly. Maybe he's a, another finalist this year. He's yeah. had a there's pretty a solid deser- year. There's a lot of deserving names. Every other, really are. every other year, Kopitar was almost unanimous in this. Similar to how exactly. Drew Doughty was always unanimous for uh, Norris. Norris. Yeah. So uh, there's that. Um, all right. So let's move on to but our... the reason why this brought up is because yep. of the top fifteen centers and uh, uh, let's let's start at, playoff. at yeah. So let, let's start at number fifteen. It was, it is, for some reason they don't like doing fifteen. They did sixteen again. I'm not, I don't know. Um, we'll, 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 so the 16th with Jonathan Tays, yeah. Uh, 15th, the Amika Zibanejad. Do you think that a, a lot of comments I've read, uh, Rangers fans, non Rangers fans, they've all agreed Mika should be higher. If you're looking at this list, Mike, do you agree that he should be higher? No, no, I again, no disrespect to Zibanejad. I think he's an incredible player. The Rangers got him basically got- for, uh, for a steal. But uh, in that Broussard trade, but there's also a guy um, missing here, but we'll get to that. Yeah, um, number 14 is what pisses us off Sean Couturier. Don't know why he's at 14, but mm-hmm. he's at 14. I'd say the same thing with Barkoff. Here, here's the too. funny thing they even said in the in his little bio here, Couturier should be in the running for the Selkie Trophy this year. He was a runner up to uh, Kopitar in 2017 18. Uh, if you haven't noticed, Jeff, look at if you look at the top people, it's stat based. Uh, Their stats are significantly higher than. Well, there you not go. Not significantly, but they're higher than what Couturier's are. Yeah, uh, thirteen Alexander Barkov, which is annoying because that's what all these NHL.com lists go off of, which is why you always see Bennington yep. or whoever is always so high on here. Right. I'd also make um, the, I make the same I make the same argument for Barkov too. I think Barkov is another underrated player. Yeah, not, and we've not saying, we've even not said saying that. that. Not saying I don't see him at thirteen here. I'd maybe put him at the twelve or eleven. Mm-hmm. Because for me, at least, I don't think Backstrom is nearly as great as he used to be. But that's just me. I think he's he still shows flashes of greatness, but mm-hmm. not nearly as incredible as he used to be yeah i, I think his game has definitely died down a little bit mm-hmm. um you know it, it's slowly but surely regressed down and and um i think katoria and, and barkov are certainly a little bit better as, as i'll put it this way as an actual center katoria and barkov are better than um backstrom uh, yeah and yeah but Backstrom, at the same all time, round, all at the same time, player, are, Backstrom is still an elite player. These are all nitpicky too, because all these players on here are really good. Yeah, They're the top centers. Um, so again, obviously, twelve was Backstrom. Number eleven, Mark Strife. Sorry, Mike Mark Shifley. I'd even have him higher, but that's just me. Yeah, and Shifley again, he's also a Katori-esque like player. They're both phenomenal. 
they came out of that 2011 draft and they oof, two of the best players from that draft. Mm-hmm. Uh, number 10, John Tavares. Another, another guy, if he hasn't already won it, that I could see potentially winning the Selkie. I actually don't think uh, for the Selkie. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think it. he's won a Selkie. I don't think he has, but I'd say I think he could not being in the running this year, but I think at some point he could. At some point, yeah. I, I think you could certainly argue he would. Uh, yeah, he'd 60 points in 63 games. And yeah. you know the funny thing is, a lot of Leafs fans aren't happy with him. I don't know why. I don't understand it. What? Yeah. Did, did you say Leaf fans? Leafs fans. Like Maple Leafs. Oh, with Shifley? No, 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 no. Uh, sorry, I was talking to Tavares. Oh, oh, okay. I, I didn't realize we moved on. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah, no, I, I thought because when we were saying the Selkie, I was like, yeah, I don't think Tavares has won it, but I, yeah, about, uh, Shif- Shifley, sorry. Um, Shifley, if I think at best has been a finalist, I don't think he's won. I think he's been uh, a. The only time he's ever been in the running was uh, 17, 18. He was 26th. And 16, 17, he was 30. Um, oh, I lied. Yeah. Last last year, he was 22nd at heart. He was 35th in Lady Bing. He's another one. You can, here's yeah. another one you can argue is underrated, too. Or it's not underappreciated. He does yeah, a, lot. The, the, a, a few of them lot. definitely are. He does a lot um, of that... Uh, so, no, uh, number 10 was John Tavares. Uh, what do you think about the, his spot there? Do you have high, him higher or lower? Um, I don't mind it. I, I, I'd see that. Yeah. Uh, number nine, Ryan O'Reilly. Again, I, last year's Selkie winner. Um, pretty good spot there. A, I'd probably put him lower. But that's just me. Okay, that's fair. Uh, with O'Reilly, it's tough. It's... Uh, again, kind of like that's another thing. Um, that's another thing that the Sabres did. They shut off uh, Ryan O'Reilly. Yeah, but kind kind of like O'Reilly. Sorry, Backstrom. O'Reilly is one of those like complete players where he's a better all around player than he's for a centerman. Not, yeah, not, uh, obviously he's a good center because he won the Selkie last year. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, and then he won the Smythe last year, but. Uh, again, there's something about him where he's more of just an all-around playmaker than right. just a defensive forward. Uh, again, obviously he's very good because mm-hmm. he won the Selkie last year, and nothing, not trying to discredit him at all. But um, you know, I definitely think he's had his moments where uh, you know some, some of the other centers we've named already might be should be a little bit higher on it, that list. Yeah. Um, Number eight, Steven Stamkos. I'd have him higher. Okay. Yeah, I would have him probably top five at yeah. least. Uh, number seven, Austin Matthews. I'm fine with him there. I, I'd, the only spot I would have him is maybe six. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah, six or seven. I think you're fine. And you're this right. one really I irritates get it. me. I get it, but I'd have him lower. Evgeny Malkin. Right. Um, Evgeny Malkin, they have him at six. Yeah. That irritates me. Mm-hmm. Some of the Which centers funny, that we if it's any other year other than the year Dry Settle had this year, there's no way Dry Settle will be fifth. Right. Just saying. Exactly. So again, I think that's again going back to I don't that think thing, I, that's saying I don't that's think that's the only reason he's the why fifth. he's fifth. I don't think no, Leon Dry Settle's fifth. fifth on here. I think he might uh, be 
again, maybe top fifteen. I, I don't. I, I, I would. I would easily. Team. I would easily give him fifteen. Yeah. Uh, so, but again, I wouldn't put Drysdale that high. I would not put Malkin that high. No. A huge reason why Drysdale is that high is he has 110 points. Yeah. Um. I'm but not again, not a great center, and of course not. No. Um, gonna win the heart this year. It's gonna happen. Yeah, I, 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 I could see that. Um, my, my vote is still McKinnon, just because I think that's what I have for my season preseason prediction for Sports Talk Philly. I don't know if that's gonna happen. Probably not. But hey, I'm sticking with my prediction there. Um, number four, Patrice Bergeron. Um, I think that's a pretty solid spot for yeah, him. I think again, um, another one to think he can flip flop with maybe McKinnon, but that's yeah, because Nathan McKinnon comes in at three. Um, he's the, an all around phenomenal player, and then the top two are no surprise number yeah. two, Sidney Crosby, and then number one, Connor McDavid. Yep, not surprised at all. No, the funny thing is, if you look at the teams that these guys are on, realistically speaking. Mm-hmm. Some of them probably aren't going to go that far. Probably not. Like, realistically, I think the I think the Penguins will win their playing game. I'll say that. Playing series, yeah. Playing series, but I don't think they're going to win the first their actual playoff round. Other they could lose. Depends on who they kind of play, but mm-hmm. I think for Montreal, Chicago, Jonathan Chase, think- Jonathan Chase is on here, and I don't think. I don't think they're going to beat uh, Edmonton. Edmonton. No, the, uh, honestly, Edmonton could. I think Edmonton could honestly sweep them. Yeah, I could see it. Um, but for Pittsburgh, I I could see them beating Montreal. But I think Montreal is mm-hmm. going to give them a little bit tougher of a test than most people will think. I think that could go five. Yep. Make it advantage at another one. I don't know if the Rangers are going to make it that far. I don't even know if they're going to win the playoff series. I forget who they're playing. They're playing Carolina. I, I, don't, yeah, I don't think know. that yeah, they will know. They're not going to win. <laughs> yeah. Barkov oh. code. Eh. I think Florida's the tough one to kind of. Florida say. is my dark horse team there, Mike. Uh, They've been really... my dark horse team all season. All year long, yep. It's everyone's the, yeah. yeah, everyone take your shot. <laughs> But I, again, far I think, I with think that. that's a solid dark horse team pick. I, I really do. Uh, for for uh, for Florida, that they mm-hmm. are again, they're a good team, and I'm not a lot of people are. But if you're a follower of this uh, podcast, fun drinking game. How many times am I f- if I'm gonna mention the Panthers being a dark horse this season? Yeah. Uh, every time I do, you take a shot. So there's your <laughs> shot for today. I love it. Oh. Uh, and one last thing, I think, before we get yep. off here, and we're going back to the Flyers, who we actually, in these past two pla- this podcast, this one, and earlier, even though we talked a little bit about uh, Sean Couturier, um, we haven't really talked about the Flyers. Last podcast, we talked about them. I think that yeah. might be the first podcast where we didn't talk about them really at all. Right. You brought them up once. Um, but this one, uh, right. this is actually an article that came out by uh, Bill Meltzer, um, which is actually a kind of great topic to begin with anyways, which is the Flyers' much improved uh, PK this season. Yeah. After many years of Ian LaPerriere, who's still on the coaching staff, um, mm-hmm that had the PK near the bottom of the league every year, which this year they finished 
Um, 11th. Wow. 11th in PK. Pretty good. And also, Kevin Hayes, he helped lead the NHL with four um, shorthanded goals. Mm-hmm. And the Flyers' power play was not – they were right in the middle. They're in the middle. They're 14th. Yeah. That wasn't great. There was a lot of – we've – that was another thing we talked about a lot. It's Michelle Tyrion and mm-hmm. not great fire playing. But the one thing that's been a constant was that PK. And a lot of it was a lot of sparks a lot for this past season for the Flyers was after a PK. Even mm-hmm. those games were like five on five wise, they were struggling, then they take a bad penalty. The one thing that somehow got them out of it where they actually looked like they were kind of dominant was when they went a man down. <laughs> yeah. And that's because of how kind of aggressive they got this off se- this season. They got really aggressive. They got which is very great, aggressive. Which is great to see because that's the one thing I hated in the past uh, PKs is that they didn't challenge enough. They let guys yeah. go all the time. They let them take as much time as they want to set up anything, any team. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and one of the things about them is <laughs> that always, yeah, sorry, go ahead. it's always been a joke. That with the Flyers, uh, for me at least, uh, if there's a team struggling, uh, if they're lo- on a losing streak or if yeah. they're a power play that's struggling, if you play the Flyers, good, good thing. You're going to turn that around. Uh, the one thing that did happen was that stopped. The uh, team yeah. losing going, or that were struggling. The, thing, the other thing that didn't uh, – yeah, the power play, the penalty kill didn't really do that either. So Yeah. It was uh, definitely a, a a big time improvement and everything, and yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, I'll, would always I'll, be like I'll take it. Any team score against that dreadful of a PK, even though a lot of the players that are on it are still the same from last year's team. But again, even just changing up the system, that definitely helps. Mm-hmm. I mean, granted, you did bring in defensively wise, which helped a lot. You brought in Niskan in and Braun, who were veterans who could be in those situations yeah uh, you also have Pitlick who is kind of the Flyers dark horse this season yeah no for for Pitlick I, I really think that uh and then you obviously had Couturier doing Couturier things Lawton yeah. and Raffle who are above average penalty killers and at the deadline they brought in Grant and Thompson yeah and, and again, I, I really moves, think like I said that... last, you know, the last time in the podcast before where their moves to potentially go far in the playoffs yeah, that's and, uh, that I think that the the uh, the special teams will be a um, a huge factor for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, they can't have a struggling power forward. play. That's one thing. Right. So so yeah, I think really the special teams. And honestly, my final note: special teams will either help them or hurt them uh, mm-hmm. in the playoffs. Yep. It's it's going to be interesting, and like we said, it, it really will be. Uh, you know, again, I'm excited to see what happens, but um, hopefully, the earlier on skating for like the players like Couturier and Provorov, not the not these other players yeah. aren't valuable, but the more valuable players like those two mm-hmm. are already skating, so they're trying to get their skating legs. Same thing going. with Drew, yeah, yeah, Drew here and there, but we haven't seen anything really pictures of him yeah. at the skate zone yet, which is rightfully so because he just says newborn, so right. There you go. Um, but I think that's about it uh, for yeah. me. I don't know about you. That's all I've got. Awesome. <laughs> Our ranting galore has ended. So yeah, uh, that ends three podcasts in one week. Um, yep. Hard to believe. Probably a new record. Uh, definitely a new record. I think the most we've ever done was two. 
Um, I think so, yeah. And it was just hockey. This one we had two hockeys and our regular one with yep, Brian. Our round table, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, with that, uh, we'll see you next week.